November 11 is one of my favorite days in the calendar year. It is a feast day for St. Martin of Tours. A feast day is a day when we remember someone in their life and faith and we celebrate them. St. Martin is the patron saint of the nation of France, and amongst his many accomplishments, we derive the origins of chaplaincy. As a longtime chaplain of football or soccer, I've made it a point to try and study and learn from Martin and his life of service and ministry. And if I try not to stretch things too far, I see a lot of parallels in Martin's story and in my own. Well, last year on St. Martin's Day, I shared on the podcast Martin's most famous story, whereby he cuts his Roman centurion cloak in half and gives it to a poor naked beggar on the side of the road to shield him from the cold of winter. If you have time to go back and listen to the pod, I encourage you to do so. But today, I want to share a story of Martin that's a little bit later on in his life, and another moment when he gave up his clothes to cover someone who was in need. We'll be back in a moment to learn more about Martin. He's found the space, and he's found the back of the net! Just a little off foot, thinking he's going to go far post, not strong enough with his right hand. Whips that one in. Far post, almost made him in, and they have. He has the hat trick. The second in his career. The third of the night. The hat trick hero. Talked about you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure. To the corner. Goes towards the near post. And you're on the angle, and what a goal! What a goal! pod is for anyone really, but I think chaplains especially have the most to learn from St. Martin's example. And I really want to be talking to chaplains today with this story and a few practical lessons that we can learn. First though, let me share this story. I'm actually going to read from the works of Sulpicius Severus. Again, Sulpicius is Martin's biographer. And at his point in life, at this point in the story, he's traveling around with Martin and he's observing him and watching his life and recording these key moments of his story. Sepulchus here in chapter one of his second dialogue speaks firsthand about the virtues of St. Martin. Well then, when first having left the schools, I attached myself to the blessed man. A few days after doing so, we followed him on his way to the church. In the way, a poor man, half naked in these winter months, met him and begged that some clothing might be given him. Then Martin, calling for the chief deacon, gave orders that the shivering creature should be clothed without delay. After that, entering a private apartment and sitting down by himself, as his custom was, for he secured for himself this retirement even in the church, liberty being granted to the clerics, since indeed the presbyters were seated in another apartment, either spending their time in mutual courtesies or occupied in listening to affairs of business. But Martin kept himself in his own seclusion up to the hour at which custom required that the sacred rites should be dispensed to the people. And I will not pass by this point that when sitting in his retirement, he never used a chair. And as to the church, no one ever saw him sitting there. As I recently saw a certain man, God is my witness, not without a feeling of shame at the spectacle, seated on a lofty throne, yea, in its elevation, a kind of royal tribunal. But Martin might be seen sitting on a rude little stool, such as those in use by the lowest of servants, which we Gallic country people call trepets and which you men of learning, or at least those who are from Greece, call tripods. Well, that poor man who had been chanced upon, as the chief deacon delayed to give him the garment, rushed into this private apartment of the blessed man, complaining that he had not been attended to by the cleric, and bitterly mourning over the cold he suffered. No delay took place. The holy man, while the other did not observe, secretly drew off his tunic, which was below his outer garment, and clothing the poor man with this, told him to go on his way. 
Then a little after, the chief deacon came in, informing him, according to the custom, that the people were waiting in the church, and that it was incumbent on him to proceed to the performance of the sacred rites. Martin said to him in a reply that it was necessary that the poor man, referring to himself, should be clothed, and that he could not possibly proceed to the church unless the poor man received a garment. But the deacon, not understanding the true state of the case, that Martin, while outwardly clad with a cloak, was not seen by him to be naked underneath, at last begins to complain that the poor man does not make his appearance. Let the garment which has been got ready, said Martin, be brought to me. There will not be wanting the poor man requiring to be clothed. Then at length, the cleric, constrained by necessity, and now in not the sweetest temper, hurriedly procures a rough garment out of the nearest shop, short and shaggy, and costing only five pieces of silver, and lays it in wrath at the feet of Martin. See, cries he, there is the garment, but the poor man is not here. Martin, nothing moved, bids him go to the door for a little while. Thus, obtaining secrecy while in his nakedness, he clothes himself with the garment, striving with all his might to keep secret what he had done. But when do such things remain concealed in the case of the saints, desiring that they should be so? Whether they will or not, all are brought to light. So again, speaking mainly to chaplains in sport and soccer here, I think there are some lessons that we can read from this story of St. Martin and his life. And the first thing I want to point out out of this story specifically is that as chaplains, or we could even say pastors or ministers, the truth is we should never ignore someone in need, even for the rituals, even good rituals of the church. You know, in this story, Martin is the bishop of Tours, and as he goes to church, he is preparing to offer the sacred rites to the church people. Now, likely this meant that Martin was going to open God's word, deliver a message, and so oversee the Eucharist or communion. Other traditions call it the Lord's Supper. I know that as a chaplain, I've often walked into a place, I've walked into a moment and desired an outcome. I've had an agenda, or I've carried an agenda at times when I go into a room. And sometimes this comes from good, healthy expectations. Maybe, maybe it's the Rev's going to give a good word or say a prayer or give some sort of a blessing. You know, there are sort of these official duties and functions that, that I perform as a chaplain sometimes, and, and they look and feel more official in terms of religious duty, but those things should never be done without first looking around at the needs or listening and hearing the needs of the people that I'm really trying to serve. If someone's in physical or spiritual or mental need, and I just run right past all those things, right past all those needs to perform the chaplain or minister duty, then I really miss the point of being there in the first place. You know, sometimes we do this even as Christian people. We, uh, we, get, we lean into someone's conversation or someone's story and we rush to pray. We go, oh, let me pray for you. And it's almost like we get to the end before we've actually listened to anything in the middle or, or really taken time to really address or take care of someone. And there are good and right times for a pastor of a church or others in those kinds of places and positions to put direct attention to preaching God's word or leading a church service. But if we do those things without space or margin for caring for people in a holistic way, a holistic manner, we really fail to see and do what we ought to do. It reminds me in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 25, Jesus describes his second coming, and he expressively points out that there will be a division between those who stand before him. And to one group, Jesus will speak. And I want to read these 
uh, Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 through 40 from the message. Then the king will say to those on his right, Enter, you who are blessed by my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation, and here's why. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. So especially for the one who's in ministry, especially for the chaplain, the pastor, the minister, we must look to the physical, tangible needs of the people whom God has called us to serve. To ignore this is the difference between life and death, reward and punishment. A second thing that I want to point out from Martin's story here, and maybe even more so for the chaplains working in professional sports, we must constantly take the stool. That is, we must constantly take the low seat. I know it's really easy to get caught up in the position and to think that we're special. And sure, there it's a special place, a special position and privilege that we have, the people that we get to serve and minister amongst. But if we ever think too much of ourselves and sit on some ecclesiastical or tribunal throne like, like we're all that, that's just not the kind of attitude God wants us to have. Instead, we ought to have eyes to see and hands that are ready to serve as Martin did, ready to give the shirt off our own back for someone in need. The way that we do that will certainly look different than Martin. It may be more representative in the sacrificial way that we live or the things that we give up to serve others, but this is a call God gives to us. And certainly the thing that we, we give up may seem of more value than anything we get in return. I mean, Martin gave up his tunic and gets a $5 short and shaggy thrift store cast off in return. It reminds me in the Luke It reminds me in the Gospel of Luke chapter 14 the story is told of Jesus being invited to a prominent religious leader's house for a meal. And Jesus notices something that happens around a lot of tables and around a lot of meals that go on even to this day. Let me read again from the message. He went on to tell a story to the guests around the table noticing how each had tried to elbow into the place of honor. He said, "When someone invites you to dinner, don't take the place of honor." Somebody more important than you might have been invited by the host. Then he'll come and call out in front of everybody, You're in the wrong place. The place of honor belongs to this man. Red-faced, you'll have to make your way to the very last table, the only place left. When you're invited to dinner, go and sit at the last place. Then when the host comes, he may very well say, Friend, come up here to the front. That will give the dinner guests something to talk about. What I'm saying is this. If you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to simply be yourself, you will become more than yourself. Well, what a powerful word and powerful words of Jesus at this point. That leads me to the final point that I want to make, and and that is that sometimes we're going to work with people who just don't get it. For me, in the story of, of Martin here, the chief deacon, he just doesn't get it. And Martin calls on him to help take care of the man's need. And he's a bit short-sighted. He, he puts him off. He delays in responding to the man's request and, and ultimately Martin's sort of command and instruction. You know, maybe the, the deacon's a bit put off by the poor man. M- maybe in his position, he sees himself as too high, too mighty to stoop to such a level. 
you know, maybe it's up to someone else in the church to, to take care of clothing and, and feeding the homeless or, or the poor naked beggar person. Or to be fair, you know, maybe, maybe this deacon has seen this guy around and he's dealt with this particular man before and he's just tired of the runaround. I, I don't know what the story was. But I think Martin's a better, a better person and minister than I am. See, I would have chastised the deacon. I would have perhaps given the deacon some coaching or instruction in what it means to serve. Martin doesn't do this, though. He doesn't draw attention to the deacon's error or shortcoming. Martin doesn't even draw attention to his own self-sacrifice on behalf of the beggar. Instead, Martin is humble and secretive about his acts. I can understand Severus's incredulous nature and, and why he tells the story. He's evidently seen some of the attitudes of people who have power in the church. And I can understand why Severus Sapicius wants us to know about this side of Martin and this particular story, because it stands in contrast to what many people experience from professional clergy and professional church, quote unquote, leaders. I confess, at times I've been more like the deacon than Martin. And it's a powerful story for me because one, it serves as a good reminder and review to understand my own attitude that I have in serving people. And secondly, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to show grace to people, even when you see their faults and their errors. I'm reminded of another story that Jesus told in the Bible. And Jesus in the same vein, again, is sharing this in the gospel of Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, again, reading from the message. At that point, Peter got up the nerve to ask, Master, how many times do I forgive a brother or sister who hurts me? Seven? Jesus replied, seven? Hardly. Try 70 times seven. The kingdom of God is like a king who decided to square accounts with his servants. As he got underway, one servant was brought before him who had run up a debt of $100,000. He couldn't pay up, so the king ordered the man, along with his wife, children, and goods, be auctioned off at the slave market. The poor wretch threw himself at the king's feet and begged, Give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. Touched by his plea, the king let him off, erasing the debt. The servant was no sooner out of the room when he came upon one of his fellow servants who owed him $10. He seized him by the throat and demanded, pay up now. The poor wretch threw himself down and begged, give me a chance, I'll pay it all back. But he wouldn't do it. He had him arrested and put in jail until the debt was paid. When the other servants saw this going on, they were outraged and brought a detailed report to the king. The king summoned the man and said, you evil servant. I forgave your entire debt when you begged me for mercy. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servant who asked you for mercy? The king was furious, and he put the screws to the man until he paid him back his entire debt. And that's exactly what my Father in heaven is going to do to each of you who doesn't forgive unconditionally anyone who asks for mercy. Well, as a pastor, as a chaplain, I have to be keenly aware of the debt that I've been forgiven of. And even when I see others who don't respond in the same way maybe that I've come to understand, the path I'm called to walk is one of grace and forgiveness, not vindictiveness. Well, hey, thanks for letting me share another little bit about St. Martin's life. I hope that you and I can be challenged, whether we're a chaplain for football or an athlete or involved in the game in some other way. You know, let us never ignore someone in need. Let us look to take the low and humble position. And let us be filled with grace towards other people who aren't quite there yet. Today, I want to close this with a prayer. Father God, thanks for the life of St. Martin, an example and model to see people in need, to never think too highly about my place or position as a chaplain, to always be ready to give of myself and my possessions, and to be filled with grace toward others who don't. Help me to set aside my agenda and my interior and ulterior motives, 
Help me to walk in humility. Help me to give the very clothes off of my own back. Help me to show grace to those I work with. And remind me that even good things done in secret are not hidden from you. One day, you will separate it all out and will stand accountable for what we have and have not done. In that moment, may your words to me be, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did for me. Amen. Well, this is Rev. Brad coming to you on this St. Martin's Feast Day from the Touchline.